0: kaiju network where we have a healthy obsession with kaiju i am your co-host kent and with me is your other co-host
1: jason how's it going peeps
0: so this one and only podcast episode that we're doing for the month of may in the year of our lord 2023 is going to be devoted to the 25th anniversary (laughs) of tristars godzilla and wait a minute yep I hear footsteps leaving oh, podcasts wait. now, so
1: <laughs> I could probably see a mob <laughs> for me right now. <laughs> yep, yep not there I, I see it. Yet.
0: So um, we're doing this because obviously twenty fifth anniversaries are a big deal, um, and the ninety eight Godzilla film, uh, regardless of what your opinions are of it, um, it, it's it's still a pretty big deal of a film. That even if you are not a fan of it, this movie. Uh, did a lot of positives and anybody who has listened to this podcast long enough knows that I am a huge lover of this film. I am a huge supporter and defender. I'm not saying it's the perfect movie. I will say right out of the gate though. And for the umpteenth time in the 11, 12 years we've been doing this podcast that, um, I do think fan reaction to this movie, even two and a half decades later, is way out of proportion. Um, you know, mm. some saying it's the worst film, and it's like, uh, you know, if you're really being objective, like two thirds of the Godzilla franchise at least is worse than what this movie is. But we'll get into some more of that details later. Um, we're not here to start a flame war, but we're here to. Talk about the legacy, and uh, and uh, and to also celebrate this movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, before we get into that, Jason, housekeeping.
1: Yeah, as usual. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you see a subscribe button down below, make sure to hit that subscribe button as well as smash the like button uh, down there. And uh, you can follow us, or you can find us everywhere. All in one place at our link tree. Link that you see right on your screen there, forward slash Diakaiju Network. And besides uh, YouTube as one of the main video platforms that we're on, we're also on Twitch, Rumble, Facebook, and as well as Odyssey. And we have uh, audio platforms that we're on, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, as well as TuneIn.
0: And we've got both video and
1: audio versions of our episodes at our own website at network.com.
0: All right. So um, there are so many different ways we could start off this particular episode with the topic of the 98 tri-star movie. And so I thought maybe one thing to do coming out of the gate is to just talk about the inception of this and even this particular segment of the – Godzilla 98 coverage or story mm-hmm. could even have its own separate podcast because there was a, a lot of drama surrounding the eventual making yeah. of, of this film.
1: Yeah, and the film itself, like, pretty much leading up to it basically dates back into the early 90s because there have been rum- rummages of...
0: Late 80s, honestly.
1: Yeah, because there's been rummages and Uh, video footage or I would say not video footage uh, photos of the Stan Winston sculpture of uh, his iteration of Godzilla from 94 which was supposed to be made probably around that time but you know of course a lot of development hell and all that stuff and then just led up to the iteration that we know as the 98 Godzilla movie
0: Yeah, I mean, so much. I mean, it originally started out, um, even going back to Yoshi Mitsubano, who uh, directed Godzilla vs. Hedera, wanted to get Americans involved to do sort of a 3D featurette involving Godzilla in the late 80s. And again, it just – for – multitude of reasons this this whole project of trying to get americans involved in the production of a godzilla feature uh came and went multiple times and then it seemed like around early mid 90s was it seemed like maybe it finally got a hold as jason mentioned there was a stan winston model of the godzilla that they potentially were going to make for use in that particular iteration of the film the film was supposed to be in san francisco it was also a one story involved it fighting a monster called the Griffin, um and then it uh, just it was supposed to be directed by Jan de who did Speed and Twister and some other films over the years uh and eventually again um it just folded and, and 1996
1: uh, what you know when you say that the film was supposed to take place in San Francisco and then is supposed to face the griffin it's kind of a bit ironic that it seems like the the 2014 uh, Godzilla movie has taken some some of the bits oh of those like planned things uh, from the previous story that they were going to originally do you know filmed in San, Fr- San Francisco and then you have the griffin you know a weaned uh, creature and then you have the Mudos where uh, basically one of them was weaned in a way. So it's you can say it's a bit of a nod to that original story that was originally supposed to be made.
0: Oh, yeah, that was intentionally done. Yeah, yeah of course. And I think anybody who thought, You know who has seen the treatment of the 94 Film would at least appreciate the 2014 Film a little bit more because in many respects Yeah it sort of Is an homage to kind of that Lost idea Mm -hmm. And one of the screenplays Written during that time was developed By the writers of Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio Both of which At least for me I equate With the original Pirates of the Caribbean Trilogy um, of Films and they've done numerous other things and of course They get involved they're given story credit at least partial screenplay credit for this 98 film and then of course 96 rolls around uh roland emmerich and dean devlin buddies and filmmaking they did stargate i i don't remember if they did any other movies prior to independence day other than stargate
1: um i'll have to take a look at day that
0: comes out massive hit um and then tristar you know is able to kind of you know, again, I, all the details. I mean, again, this almost deserves its own podcast. Uh, Tristar gets involved. They get the rights. And Japan is okay with Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin doing this. Emmerich and Devlin aren't necessarily fans of the original Godzilla series, which even to this day kind of peeves some fans, which I find to be ironic because it's like, well, these guys are in – the business of making movies you don't necessarily have to be a fan of something in order to do it mm-hmm. so you know but they weren't fans they kind of turned it down a few times and then eventually uh tristar uh through an awful lot of begging and then giving them a little bit more money in the budget and all that Emmerich and Devlin uh, gave in and decided they were going to do this, and so a lot of fans have this conspiracy that's been going around for two and a half decades saying that because they hated the original Godzilla, they intentionally went out of their way to bastardize this movie, which is one of the dumbest things I have ever heard because – they know their names are attached to this, even though they may not have been a fan of the original, uh, Toho franchise, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to try to just crap everything with this project, because if they did that, they know their careers are done. Mm-hmm. So they're going to do what they believe is in the best interest of, of their project. And, um, so here we are we get the 98 godzilla movie which um you know is i mean again where to necessarily go from here i think what we need to do is to talk about one of the greatest things that i think to have ever happened is the marketing blitz Mm -hmm. that led up to this film um it was back i mean i remember this
1: i can remember like, like it was yesterday yeah
0: I mean, first and foremost, it was during a period of time in which you typically had one movie that was sort of christened to be the big summer blockbuster, mm-hmm. and usually you had many different characters. Companies, you know, cereal, other foodstuffs, toy company. I mean, you name it. Any company that made and sold anything, mm-hmm. food and other products, usually wanted to get in on what they believed was going to be the hit summer film. Yeah. And that was before, even today, where you could have multiple, um, summer like blockbusters two, two, three of them. Even more than that. Yeah. And, um, So kind of like the year before, you had Batman and Robin, which was uh, kind of christened to be the big summer blockbuster movie that year. Everything was Batman and Robin that summer and leading up to the release of that movie. And unfortunately, that movie um, was financially, you know, unsuccessful and critically panned and all that. Um, And then Godzilla in 98 was supposed to be the film for that summer. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, it was The Phantom Menace. So, um, you have this marketing blitz, the likes of which—I mean, you and I—we had at that point been Godzilla fans for almost six years at that point. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was uh, twelve at the time. I believe that this movie was getting released. No,
1: you were um, you were thir- you were thirteen at the time, and I was getting close was, to turning okay. twelve. Yeah.
0: And um, uh, you know, Trendmasters a couple years earlier, a few years earlier, had come out with their line of toys. You and I were flipping shit
2: because oh, oh, yeah. We
0: had, you know, we became Godzilla fans on my birthday in '92 and all we had were those imperial godzilla toys mm. and we would take like like a regular gorilla cheap gorilla toy you would find at a drugstore, and we would be like okay this is king kong yeah and like we would find other like animal or other weird creature toys we were like okay this over here is manda this over here is spiga all that stuff like it was just an amalgamation of us finding something that closely resembled other kaiju yeah, and then finally, Trendmasters comes out with their toy line in '94, and we're just mind blown. Well, I think it was I think it was
1: around late '93 or some somewhere around that time period, and I can remember in Walmart during that uh, period of time, and even uh, Kmart too. And I remember we uh, we saw those, we were like, "Oh my god." We gotta get these, and then I remember from time to time when we uh, lived at a town where we weren't too terribly far from the Kmart. I mean, it was a walking distance uh, to it, and I know uh, we would go over to the the toy aisle and everything. There'll be a section full of the Tribmaster Godzilla Key and the Monsters, which was the first line, which you can see kind of back there with that giant that Godzilla there. And then right next to it later on was it transformed into Godzilla Wars. I think it was, was it 96 or something of the sort when they switched over to it Godzilla?
0: 90, it was a 95 because mom and dad yeah. was hunting <clears throat> and during one of their trips of uh, on house hunting, they uh, stopped by KB, uh, not KB, but Toys R Us, and I got one of the Gigan's, the the Gigan that roared, and mm-hmm. Gigan became a part of the Godzilla line when Godzilla Wars came out.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, with that, and then, uh, of course, getting all the VHS tapes and everything from our vacations up to Twin Cities and I know we've talked about some of that stuff uh, a little bit ago in one of the, uh, the episodes uh, there, and uh, but yeah, it was the uh, the New Year's Eve uh, of '98 there when we '97. Well, it was New Year's Eve '98, kind of transitioning from '97 to '98, and I remember that. Uh, we thought it was the actual ball drop, and we were like, did it start already? And then we yeah. heard like there was something going on, and everything. All of a sudden, you yep. see this tail hitting the uh, the ball drop, the crystal ball uh, thing, and then smashing in, and then got that glow uh, logo, kind of like the one that uh, Kent's wearing right now, the the glowing board mark, and it said, God so I can, I can." Remember, both of us turned our heads. We were like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, and
0: we're like, Bob, Dad, the silly movie going next year." <laughs> I'm, and then I can
1: oh, remember I'm that we were hungry. like, "I, I can remember we were so stoked <laughs> once once that happened, and then just the whole blitzkrieg of you know the marketing thing that can't have mentioned, and then. Going up, uh, uh, as I mentioned, the uh, Twin Cities on our vacation, where we got a couple of the '98 figurines and everything. I think it was uh, after the movie came out, but
0: Trendmasters it, made those too. Yeah, I've.
1: Sorry about that. <laughs> my uh, he got damn so
2: excited.
1: <laughs> well, my damn chair always gets. Like, the the whole audio headphone set wire uh, cut in this thing, but never mind. But I have, like, tons of things you can't even see off uh, on the camera, but I've got quite a few things of the the 98 Godzilla merchandise still in the box, except for one of them, which is right there. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean the marketing for this thing was incredible. And I know a lot of fans too will remember how the design of Godzilla more or less was kinda kept secret.
2: Mm-hmm. But
0: the design eventually leaked out publication. <coughs> <laughs> I remember you and I, we were watching David Letterman one night, and I think he had Matthew Broderick on as his guest, and the little clip that they showed from the movie was the clip in which Godzilla emerges from underneath uh, one of the New York streets in the film, and he comes face-to-face with Matthew Broderick. And mm-hmm. that scene before he heads over to the flat eye in front of the flat iron building to chomp down the fish. And and then we have our first sort of action sequence between the military and Godzilla within the film. And I, I was and, and still am, I love this design, a, a more um, sleeker dinosaurian type of design and. Um, of, of godzilla mm. and um i love it a lot of people hate the fact that it's based <clears throat> off a of water dragon so what like you know artistic license i i mean and again a lot of people hate the design and i keep having to remind the people you do realize toho signed off on this mm-hmm. nothing could move forward within any part of the production of the film without Toho signing off on it. They signed off on this design. They signed off on how the story goes and, and all that as well. Everything got Toho's approval, and I find it so funny because um, a few years later, starting with GMK, Toho started becoming uh, incredibly immature by poking fun at this Godzilla, and uh, they did it in that movie. They did it again in two thousand four's Final Wars. I'm like, you guys signed off on this, <laughs> like, well, why are you backing away from it? Well,
1: you had some, you had some of, uh, oh. I think. Nope, nope, never mind. Uh, well, you had some of the directors and everything, you know, with Final Wars, you know, kind of siding with the fans and everything, you know, as far it, it as the design.
0: Of course. Mm
1: hmm. Yeah.
0: It was definitely pandering. Um, but, the design. I, I mean, the marketing for this thing was incredible. And then, of course, the reaction. Uh, You know, the movie did bananas its very first week, made a lot of money. It's still, even though starting by the second week financially in the box office, it tanked. The movie, cumulatively, worldwide, still did very well. And in fact, its uh, box office numbers, if you adjust it for inflation, uh, is on par, if not even actually a little bit better than what the 2014 movie Mm. did. did in 14 so the movie still financially made a profit but because of the incredible backlash from fans there we never got the supposed trilogy that was going to come of this and instead we ended up getting the animated series which was a very good animated series
1: all all because uh, people didn't really like the design of yeah. the godzilla right there i mean Come on, but at least a lot of the fans admittedly do like the the animated series, which I mean, and it mainly, and it's inter- and it's yeah, and uh, and it's it's a bit interesting too that you know that they say they hate the movie, but then you know they go on to say that they like the anime version, so it's a little bit of hypocrisy in a way but yeah like what you said bad two-faced but you know with the continuing on with the story basing off of the first movie and uh yeah it's overall it was really good for what it did and for as long as it uh, premiered on tv
0: yeah, I mean, the, the cartoon, as far as ratings goes, did very well. But a lot of the fans, the reason why they liked it, outside the fact that there usually was a monster of the week on there, uh, a lot of fans were saying they liked it because Godzilla shot fire. And I'm saying he did in the 98 film, because when you see him blast his atomic breath the first time, when you look at it around his tongue, you're seeing the flames come out and around,
1: which mm-hmm. signifies
0: he had it. He just didn't use it a whole lot in the film. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I don't want to be, you know, spending a ton of time on like fan reaction and the hypocrisy. But I do think that is one of the legacies of this film is, you know, not just how well it did in the box office and also how it was received in the opinions of critics and fans. But I think, too, the fact that even to this very day, there's still a large pocket of the fan base that really is very hypocritical. And I think very unfair in their criticisms of the film, because, um, a lot of the fans hate the film for really one of two, if not both reasons, usually because they don't like the design and or because this Godzilla was a mutated water dragon. Mm. And, um, it's, it's so funny because, um, you know, the Japanese Godzilla stood upright, and at the time of the original Gojira, paleontologists thought that, yeah, your theropod dinosaurs stood more upright like a person and dragged their tails. Obviously, decades later, they realized anatomically that just was not possible for them to do that. And so you have a more dinosaurian version. And a lot of people say that this is nothing more than, you know, a Jurassic Park ripoff. Well, considering the science of the time and the fact that this was a movie that was, you know, in production going all the way back to the eighties. <laughs> I, I don't understand the 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 thinking people have. Well, it's just cashing off of Jurassic Park. They were trying to make this damn thing for years, if not like a
1: before day. Jurassic Park.
0: <laughs> like, finally. <laughs> right. And I don't understand The the thinking and a lot of it goes back to just how a lot of fandoms are anymore, where there's usually something within a given fandom that unites a lot of hatred um, within that fandom of something involving that. Like for example, within the He Man universe, New Adventures of He Man that TV series late Mm -hmm. 80s, early 90s tends to be. You know, kind of one of those um, sticking points within the He-Man fandom. With Star Wars, it's, you know, the prequels, if not the, the, the new trilogy of films that just recently came out. It's always something. And G-98 is sort of that version for the Godzilla fandom in which there's so many conspiracy theories and so much of it is untrue. That it's just so mind boggling the logic people will ensue. And it got to a point where so many people also would say that this movie is closer to a remake of Beast of 20,000 Fathoms than it is Godzilla. And so I kept testing people. I would be online, and I even did it recently here, uh, three weeks ago, uh, where a person said the same thing. It's like a remake of beast of 20,000 fathoms rather than Godzilla. And I keep telling, and I keep asking people, why do you think that? Because nothing about this movie, other than the fact that it's a giant reptile attacking New York, nothing about this movie is anywhere near like the beast from 20,000 fathoms. And I say, point to me, multiple connections, and even this person who I even have their post, their response up here right in front of me saying that, yeah, New York, the, ray, the, the way the creature rampages through the city on first appearance is done to a similar way to G-98's first rampage with the exception of eating the policeman. I'm like, no, it's not. And then outside of that, they're saying the, nothing else, mm-hmm. and, and there's no connections And a lot of people have to remember, too, you do realize the original Godzilla was partially inspired by Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. King Kong was the initial response because that thing did bonkers in Japan. And then earlier in 54, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms was also released in Japan. Did incredibly well there, too. And Tomoyuki Tanaka was kind of – that pushed him even more to want to do his own project. So Mm – the 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 mental logic and acrobats. So many fans for twenty five years have been trying to pull on this film. It makes no sense, and I'm just like, just come out and admit it. You hate the design, okay? And even then, it's like, okay, that doesn't constitute an immense hatred for a film. And then they'll try to say, well, the characters, this character is that, and I go. Well, take a look at this Godzilla movie. Look at a movie like All Monsters Attack. <laughs> take a look at a movie like Godzilla vs. Hedorah or Godzilla vs. Megalon, and I n- name off so many other Godzilla movies. And I'm like, look at the character development and lack thereof here. They, no one has any legitimate. Uh, you know, people will refuse to admit that. Yeah, a lot of the Japanese films. Are either on par, if not even inferior, to how the, the production of this one went, mm-hmm. and I found it even immensely not just frustrating but funny. Back in 2016, when Shin Godzilla was released here in the states, depending upon where you lived, it played either for a day, if not a week. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, is that. For so many fans, the reasons that they stated that they loved that movie were the same reasons they hated this. And to this day, that still is a bug in my craw because, (laughs) again, the hypocrisy. And again, I don't want to – a lot of people are probably rolling their eyes and they're saying you're shitting on the fan base. Here's the thing. I think – the fan base does need to be shat on when necessary. And it's not just because I'm a huge fan of this film. It is because of the hypocrisy that we've already discussed. And I, I, I found a couple of YouTube videos. And I think if you search uh, – if you type in the keyword, uh, it, it's either is G98 really that bad or is Godzilla 98 really that bad? You get a couple of really good videos. From a number of impartial people. And they sit down, and one of them has a guy where he has a live feed for about 35 minutes. And he's kind of having a conversation with people who are on his live feed discussing this movie. And he's basically saying, kind of like I've been saying, look, it isn't the greatest movie ever made. But. Really, what's the problem that so many people have here? And even he goes through and tells people, no, that's bunk because it happens in this movie. Like, how can you say you hate it here when in this other movie or so the same thing happens, if not worse? And so he basically says the standing that fans have on this movie really is By and large, unfounded, Mm -hmm. even if you hate the design, truly, if you are – if you objectively hate the design of this Godzilla, it still doesn't necessarily pan out to be this ultimate hatred of the film overall. And so I didn't want to really do this because I know it's such a hot-button issue, but again, it's because – I do care about this fandom, and that's why I bring it up. I need I, I need the fandom to be consistent is what I'm saying, is that, okay, I'm okay if you don't like the movie, but give me legitimate reasons. And then when I start having a dialogue with some of these folks, I go, okay, but in this other Godzilla movie or two, this happened. Well, well, you know… There is this bias for whatever reason. And I'm even seeing a little bit of that with the Monsterverse movies, how there's kind of this pocket of the fandom that hates the Monsterverse movies. And I'm going, wait a minute. You guys finally were given everything you complained that did not happen with this film. Mm-hmm. And now you're hating on that. Look, I have been very upfront on the podcast in recent years as these Monsterverse films have come out where I've said there are aspects of even the Monsterverse films I don't like, but by and large I think the Monsterverse as a whole.
1: Yeah. Is- and I-
0: you and I even covered the Monsterverse as a whole in our what was it, summer of twenty one podcasts that year.
1: Yeah, I think so. And and I know that when we reviewed uh Godzilla King and the monsters when when that movie came out and I and I know both of us have said that one of the biggest gripes that we kind of had with that movie was sort of really pandering and leaving some of those member berries from the past films for the fans and everything. Otherwise, it's it's still a really good movie in the MonsterVerse, but of course, that was sort of our uh, biggest gripe was kind of the whole pandering. Uh, For the fans, just try to, you know, try to leave the member berries, but it should at least be its own sort of movie trying to tell its own story, but still kind of at least have a little bit of callback, but not too much like the King of the Monsters movie did. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean... I, I just like and and it sort of is frustrating because other kaiju podcasts rarely, if at all, will confront its own fan base. And I think you have to periodically when you think a fan base is being unreasonable. And I've always believed the fan base was very unreasonable with this film. And I've noticed over the years a lot more people I've gotten to a point where the argument is, it's a really good monster movie, but not a good Godzilla movie, or it's not a Godzilla movie. There's still folks out there that are saying not a Godzilla movie, but a fun <clears> monster <throat> movie. They're they're playing the, the, these mental gymnastics. I, I don't even uh, try to. I just kind of am. Um, I'm like, okay. Sure. Whatever. If if that's what what you need to do to watch it, okay. Then go ahead and
1: and and I would at least want to point out that if this movie wasn't made because originally, uh, when uh, Godzilla ended in '95, there with Godzilla vs. Australia, that they were that Toho was originally gonna, you know, put the whole franchise to rest, I think maybe completely or something. I can't uh, uh, quite remember completely. Um, but if it wasn't for this movie, there wouldn't been, you know, sort of a restoration or a revival of the franchise itself. And then if it wasn't for that movie, we wouldn't have gotten the whole Millennium series of Godzilla films from Japan
0: or MonsterVerse
1: or MonsterVerse or any of the, like the animes or con or which, whichever, I mean, of today, we probably wouldn't have gotten any (laughs) of these newer additions to the Godzilla franchise if it wasn't for the 98 version.
0: Yeah, and you're talking something that I also want to discuss, so let's kind of make that transition here. And again, like I said, I don't want to spend a bunch of time – I don't want to, to make this a crap fest on the fans because I, I've made it known, and I think my piece has been already said well enough.
1: For the unteamed uh, time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I, I am a supporter and defender of this movie, and I've even come out – this isn't the greatest movie of all time. There are issues. I can even – if you want me to criticize this movie i'll give you a couple criticisms here right now one criticism is at the near the beginning of the movie after the japanese fishing vessel was attacked and the surviving cook is taken to a hospital and we start seeing jean renault and his crew come in for the very first time in the movie and so they're alone in that hospital room with him they have the geiger counter and the geiger counter is going off the chart Where's the uh, radioactive gear that John Reno and his crew should be wearing? Whoopsies, you know, <laughs> like there's there's a big whoopsie do there, you know. And I will even admit some of the animation of Godzilla in a few sequences isn't necessarily all that smooth. It's a little jilted in some scenes too. So again. I have no problems criticizing the movie where I think it, there's legitimate criticisms, but I just think, uh, again, for kind of the final time, the um, just the enormous venom spewed at this movie I, I find to be unfounded and very much fabricated for whatever ridiculous re- reason. I have yet to really see… And, and hear any legitimate criticisms from people. I, I can understand some people just saying, you know, it just didn't hit my sensibilities of what a Godzilla movie is. That to me comes closer to, you know, what someone maybe I, I would find to be a legitimate criticism. But the, the hatred, the the, it's not so much that people not liking it bothers me. It's the hatred. The absolute hatred. It would be like me looking at you, Jason, and being like, "God damn it, I hate you, you stupid son of like." And it's like, "Well, what?" And it's just like because of your face, like you know, something stupid like that. It's like, "Well, what about my face?" It's just your face, like. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I can't really do anything about that. But I mean, you see where I'm saying here? There's just there's nothing real legitimate uh, about it. It's like, okay, you dislike it that's fine but to hate something so passionately it, it that's what gets me um but, but yeah let's yeah, talk let's, about, let's
1: let's move on <laughs> okay,
0: let's talk about um really what Good came out of this. And I want to start off by having us talk about our dad for a moment here. Our dad always thought that the Japanese Godzilla movies were very silly. Uh, he would watch them with us a lot of the times bef- you know, leading up to the year 98. And a lot of times he thought they were pretty silly. <clears throat> and he went and saw this movie with us back <clears throat> in 98. And he a couple times came out and said, this is the best Godzilla movie I have seen. What's the point I'm trying to make? Is that for those folks who really didn't care for the Japanese Godzilla film. Or wasn't (laughs) well-versed. They liked this movie. And on top of that, not just for people who had been around and seen some of the older films and didn't care for them. There were people who were born around 97, you know, give or take a handful of years around that period who saw this movie. If it wasn't their first Godzilla movie, it was one of their first. It created a whole new set, a whole new generation of fans. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, some of them have gone on to say, yeah, the movie isn't all that good or whatever. So be it. It still created Godzilla fans. Not only that, it introduced a larger segment of the United States. Mm -hmm. To Godzilla, the likes of which had never been done before. The closest it ever came was when John Belushi did this parody of Godzilla for when uh, uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon was cut down to an hour for what was it? A Sunday evening movie back in the late 70s, like 78 or something like that. And it was nothing more than John Belushi – making fun of godzilla and that uh premiering of godzilla versus megalon to the united states ended up harming godzilla more than anything else because john belushi and the network were out to just make fun of godzilla in that movie to no end it was a joke to them and as a result a lot of boomers and gen xers and maybe even those from the greatest generation Looked at Godzilla and kind of were like, "Yeah, cheap ass Godzilla. They don't know what they're doing. It's all kids stuff. It's mm-hmm. funny, you know. You you don't, you know, you're not meant to, to take it seriously." When there was a whole slew of other Godzilla films before that with serious messaging and all that stuff. And this lack of understanding of not just how Toho went about making the Godzilla movies but also Japanese cinema and what the Japanese movie industry itself was going through in the mid-70s on into kind of the early part of the 80s. The 98 film sort of brought… More eyeballs to it, even for a lot of general audience members who may not have been Godzilla fans. Yeah, a lot of them walked away not caring about this movie, but they didn't necessarily make fun of it because it wasn't a movie that was about poking fun at the character or anything like that, the way John Belushi had done two decades earlier. And so… It brought in, you know, we already talked about the enormous merchandise. We finally, for the first time in uh, the United States history, got official releases of films like Destroy All Monsters on home video here in the States. The movie had played a handful of times in the past, but we never got an official home video release of it until this movie was
1: released. And, and even, even considering the rest of the Heisei series after uh, God's Ultimate Spy yes. Alane, where, of course, we've gotten uh, obviously the uh, King Ghidorah, Mecha Godzilla, Two Space Godzilla, Destroya, like all those came out roughly around the same year, or maybe a year later. But yeah, due due to this movie,
0: we like
1: we wouldn't know how long those movies would have came out.
0: Yeah, they may not have come out I still think they would have but it probably would have taken a lot longer Mm -hmm. for those to have been released and again as that guy said in that teaser that New Year's Eve teaser 1998 the year of Godzilla 1998 was the year of Godzilla you couldn't get away from Godzilla basically throughout the entire year it wasn't anything related to this one you had Japanese versions of it out there
1: and and You know, with with that whole media market blitz that they had during that year, you know, constantly putting the name Godzilla out there for the whole masses of the United States. I mean, it should it should have been a dream come true for the Godzilla uh, fan base there, because then it's like, oh, now we're going to be sort of in the mainstream and everything. Now, but then, of course. Not gonna deal with what we talked about earlier, but <laughs> I mean, it's like,
0: well, you
1: you had you had a good opportunity with it, but then just sort of,
0: yeah. I mean, outside of kind of um, get hitting the reset button, so to speak, on reintroducing the character to the West. The enormous merchandising, uh, and then creating a whole new generation of fans, regardless of whether or not they, as they got older, still liked the movie or not. Um, the um, introduction of of films that got official home video releases for the first time ever,
1: or reintroduction of the of past yeah. films.
0: The name Godzilla, even years after, between. This movie and um, the 14 film. And I'm going, I'm skipping the millennium because I'm thinking from the vantage point of the non fan. The non fans probably had no clue that Toho ended up doing a millennium series for a handful of years after this. Mm -hmm. The fact, though, that this movie still, because of its marketing and everything that happened, anybody who was. Cognizant during the year 1998 still had Godzilla in the back of the mind. As Bob Egleton likes to say, with anything Godzilla that comes out, it's all good because Mm -hmm. what it does is it throws the name out there and it gets people to think about it. And as a result, I think if you did not have the 98 film, the 2014 film, I don't know if it ever would have happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I don't think the 2014 film would have necessarily uh, gotten some of the eyeballs it ended up getting along with some of the the, uh, continuing MonsterVerse films. A lot of that was the result of kind of what happened with some of those initial films in the MonsterVerse. But it really helped to put Godzilla back on the map to – the masses, especially to people who are not fans.
1: And even, it's sort of, like some of those that were making fun of Godzilla, as you mentioned earlier with the John Belushi uh, thing, with this movie, I would think that it would kind of rethink, make them rethink of how Godzilla can be, or originally was, instead of just being this cheap, campy, kid's that it can also have this serious adult theme tone to it.
0: Yeah, because there are Japanese films that tackle that. And that's something I want to tackle in just a moment here because I, I, there's something I want to bring up involving this particular movie that I think a lot of people don't realize you can view it as. But it really – I mean take a look at it, – it's something I realized – I keep forgetting is going on it's going on right now even as we speak in that godzilla is everywhere (laughs) he may not be like everywhere everywhere but i can i guarantee you i can i'm not kidding i can go down to my target about three miles away and i can find godzilla figures
1: there even even at the uh, the local walmart here in in a small town of uh, iowa <laughs> it's like yeah, i've i can find i've even i've they they still even have some of those uh was it the Mago uh ultra sevens here
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i um once in a while at that same target can find like these lapel pins i forget who makes them and, and what they're called but they've done them in disney characters and stuff too they're
1: yeah crazy. I know I've seen them. I know I've seen them, seen some of those uh, at the Target where I used to live up in uh, the Twin Cities there.
0: Yeah. And I can head to the Walmart half a block away from that Target. I can find that one Godzilla board game. I can find Godzilla Funko's. You know, we were talking earlier how when we first became fans, all we had were those Imperial Godzilla's. And then Trendmasters came along a year and a half, two years later. And you and I then, when Trendmasters started uh, that whole deal, we were in heaven. Mm -hmm. And that's something a lot of us keep forgetting and really take for granted is that Godzilla is now more mainstream than he ever has been in the United Mm -hmm. States. And it started here. Mm -hmm. It started with this film. Even if you hate this movie, with every fiber of your being – that helped to usher in a new era of Godzilla recognition here in the west and it's as they say the rest is history
2: mhm
1: and you can say it can be like a revival like in a revival period or you could even say say a golden age sort it of is. thing cuz if like i said earlier if it wasn't for the 98 godzilla movie uh toho wouldn't have probably wouldn't have made the millennium series they probably would still have the franchise put the rest there we wouldn't have gotten uh the couple of the uh, anime shows or uh the the anime movie on netflix there would have especially gotten the MonsterVerse. Uh, movie there, but um, I don't know if Toho would have actually kept the promise of keeping the franchise uh, quote-unquote dead after the uh, Godzilla uh, after the Godzilla vs. Destroya movie. We wouldn't have known how many years it would have taken between Godzilla vs. Destroya and then now of when they would have thought to make whenever they would have gotten back to the franchise then, but if since uh, the Godzilla 98 movie came out, then a year later, they came out with a uh, Godzilla 2000 right then and there. And then rest is history.
0: Yeah. And I want to transition to kind of, and this is something I talked to you about a while ago. And like I've said, I wanted to write an article about this and I still might do it. I've been wanting to do it on our website. Um, And then unless there's some other things you want to talk about too, involving this movie, I want to potentially end this show talking about the movie itself. You and I, like when we watch the movie, what do we think of it? What do we like about it, et cetera? Um, So, um, one of the things that we sort of kind of hinted upon, if not lightly touched upon at this point in the show already, is that the general mass is kind of, you know, I've always tended to look at Godzilla movies. By and large, is just being giant monster fair. That there's nothing really to them, <clears throat> and those of us who have been fans long enough know otherwise. That a vast majority of these movies tend to have some theme or message to them, and '98 um, is no different. And I n- have heard a number of criticisms over the years from a number of people who don't like the movie saying this isn't godzilla that um you know the the original gojira was about being anti-nuclear and all that this movie doesn't do that uh, i even heard it uh, in an article from the head of g fan magazine and the former head of of the ge fest itself um that simply is totally untrue and i will start by saying that i don't know if Emmerich and Devlin intended for the theme to be this, but it is a theme that I have noticed more and more every time I watch this movie. And it's a theme that I think begs to be really studied and to really be focused on by human beings. And I'll get to why in just a second. So, like, obviously, like I just said, the original Gojira. Anti-nuclear, you know, we're entering a nuclear age. Nuclear weapons could be the downfall of mankind, etc. Raids again slightly p- kind of plays with that too, but it's more of a general monster fair film. You have King Kong versus Godzilla. You're talking about a comedy that kind of touches upon branding and commercialism. Mothra versus Godzilla takes a slightly more serious uh, viewpoint of what takes place in king kong versus godzilla and kind of looks at it as more of an evil aspect of commercialism and so you have other godzilla films down the line that uh, you know play with themes and stuff like that as you and i have even kind of poked a little bit with this resurgence some people have had in recent years with godzilla's revenge where a lot of fans are looking at it as how uh key latch kids uh kind of from that era Uh, were abandoned and as a result uh, you know a lot of them were uh you know an only child and needed to have some type of hero to look up to and they went to their imaginations a lot of the times and how it's sort of a depressing tale of latchkey kids during that period so i'm gonna do something like that with this film the theme that i get out of the 98 Godzilla film is that mankind is terribly destructive of what it doesn't understand. And it's mankind is very destructive even when individuals like a Nick Tetopolis, who is a scientist, and you have some other scientists in this film as well, that their whole idea is to study – and to learn about things. And usually they're against killing certain things. And I know some people will say, well, when you have something attacking the city that's the size of Godzilla, well, yeah, you would want to kill it. But the human characters like Nick and others are very on board very quickly in the movie to kill Godzilla. That mankind created this creature out of nuclear testing And hubris and Cold War reasons and all that stuff, too, uh, from French Polynesian atomic testing. As a result, the rooster comes back to the nest in that it's starting to bite them in the ass when it attacks fishing trolleys and then starts to settle in New York. Mm -hmm. Godzilla goes to New York with the intention of nesting. And it's not going out of its way to be destructive. It just has to be because that's what's there. It's big. It's going to run into things, etc. When provoked, that's when the creature gets aggressive, and some will say, well, no, it runs away. I will just come out and say that in some respects, it runs away to set up traps for people.
1: I'll I mean, you, you've it, seen it. You've yeah. seen it in playing sight, for example, in a few instances within the movie yeah. itself.
0: Yeah, and I'll get to that more in a second when we talk about the movie proper. <clears throat> and so, to kind of put this in a nutshell, the '98 Godzilla movie, I don't think touches upon a this sort of theme. Uh, excuse me, it touches upon a theme that I don't think. Any of the Japanese movies have ever touched upon before? Oh, uh, <laughs> Kit just dropped off here.
1: Uh, let me see here for a moment. Um, uh, hold on one minute here, folks. <laughs> uh i'm gonna be uh, messaging him here
2: uh
1: oh. uh your video feed So, um, I'm probably, uh, let's see, maybe, let's see, maybe get off and I'll send you a new link. Not sure what the heck happened here. Uh okay, so oh, there he is, yeah, okay, there you are, I've
0: been, the whole... I've been in the room the whole time,
1: oh, well, I can for still some all that, oh, well, for some reason, your video feed on the main thing here just suddenly dropped off, yeah, I don't know why yes i'm I'm not sure why either, but apparently, when I went into the uh thing here, you were still in there and just uh connect you onto the stream so <laughs> now
0: <didn't>
1: we're good <laughs>
0: because i was about to drop <clears throat> knowledge and i think someone wanted to cut me off
1: yeah some yeah some someone dropped in like a uh, little gremlins or something <laughs> that didn't like the movie still to this day 25 yeah. years later <laughs> yeah.
0: well anyways what i was about to say was that This movie touches upon a theme that I don't believe any of the Toho films I've ever touched upon before, and that is man being this destructive creature that this movie is incredibly depressing in my view because I'm a huge nature freak. Yes, I'm a tree hugger, and I embrace that with every fiber of my being. I am a fucking tree hugger, and I'm proud of it, and so – and I love animals. If you hate animals – Fuck you, but <laughs> <laughs> I I look at this as being very depressing because you have this creature that just, it, through no fault of its own, is mutated, grows large, and ends up as a result causing damage, and it does it out of necessity to live. It's not like the Japanese Godzilla is through some of the movies periodically going out of its way to be destructive for the sake of being destructive this is just trying to live as nick Titopoulos tells uh, colonel hicks at one point when they're in the subway um uh, gap where it had craw- crawled through earlier he's saying he's not purposely trying to evade you he's just an animal and so, that's what this Godzilla is. It is a go- it is a Godzilla with a personality. It is a personality for survival, and man is out to completely destroy it. And one of the things that it gets me every time, along with the ending to Godzilla versus Destroyer, is that it's the ending when this Godzilla gets caught in the suspension cables, shot down. And you have David Arnold's score, you know, swelling and, and creating a very uh, melodic, depressing type of tune. And then he crashes down, and then he kind of gives this little groan. And then Nick kind of walks a little bit closer to it, and you hear the heartbeat, and then you just – and you see the eye eventually close, um, signifying obviously that it has finally died. Um It is very depressing, and in the background, you have people celebrating, and then, of course, it's this very brief sequence of other people, uh, other characters in the film celebrating the death of Godzilla. And even though I think we're supposed to be cheering the demise of Godzilla, I look at it as very depressing because here you have this creature, again, through no fault of its own, just having gotten in the way – or being involved through nuclear testing in the French Polynesian Islands decades earlier, and it mutates. <clears throat> and it's just trying to survive. And it's killed because people are assholes. I mean I'm just going to come out and say to try to just be as blunt as I can about it. People are assholes. I mean we are a very destructive species. It has been proven, for example, that we are the reason – that a number of mammals from the Pleistocene period did go extinct because we overhunted them. We went out of our way to kill some of these species of mammals uh, because we are just a destructive species. And you're seeing something like that play out here with the 98 film, that even though you have scientists on board whose whole sort of teaching – philosophy should be to study not destroy i understand again the creature the size of godzilla in a metropolitan area you can say you make exceptions for it but they get on board very quickly with wanting to destroy this animal as well that mankind at its core regardless of whether they are military personnel who are trained to kill or scientists who are trained to study and want Organisms kept alive at least for a while to understand them. Mm -hmm. That man, at its core, is a very destructive species. That they may understand a little bit of what they're going up against, but ultimately don't care because if something gets in their way, they want to kill it. Godzilla happened to get in their way of the largest metropolitan area in the United States. As a result, they're like, yeah, let's just kill it. Let's not learn too much about this thing and why it is what it is and so that's in a nutshell how i have viewed this movie that the theme is man is destructive of what it doesn't understand and even though man is responsible for this creation it still will go out of its way to kill something that it doesn't understand that mankind by nature isn't as inquisitive as it likes to think I don't know. Do you have any response to that or ideas as far as to that particular theory of of, of how to view this film?
1: Uh, well, I know with the movie. while I did recently just watch it here. That I mean, you do get some. You do get the the nuclear. Um, parts in it because, I mean, it's apparent um, into the story and, you know, it's part of how Godzilla is obviously made and then you, they obviously have it, you know, when uh Matthew Broderick's character, Nick Titopolis, they're studying the worm like these uh, earthworms earlier in the movie there uh, nearby Chernobyl. And then, of course... I mean, it's it's still part of the DNA of the movie itself, but then also sort of kind of deep diving more into sort of studying the creature Godzilla in a way where, whereas a lot of the uh, the Godzilla movies previously leading up to this one really haven't done that a whole lot. I mean. They do get a little bit into uh, studying Godzilla, in a way, but...
0: I think it's the closest they come to with uh, Yamane.
1: Yeah, but with this one, I I think that they dive a bit more into uh, Godzilla itself, and as well as more of its behavior, um, in a way, in its nature, and... Um, That that sort of thing, uh, to me, in a way, and obviously, kind of, you know, man testing things and everything. That's that's also uh, kind of part of the franchise DNA in a way, because I mean, (laughs) it's sort of part of the whole war from the very get go. uh, There, so I mean, it. For me, I think it takes at least a few things to kind of meld together in a way. Instead, just one main thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of times uh, people, including those who create art, whether it's a painting, piece of music, whatever, they usually say, well, if that's what you get out of it, then that's what you get out of it. And that's what I've gotten out of this 98 film is that, um, you know, one of the things that Godzilla fans long enough have always said, um, you know, there tends to be themes in a vast majority of these films. And I do think that there is a theme here with the 98 film and that a lot of people just because of, you know, just intense unfounded rage or, um, just, I, I don't know, for whatever reason have just sort of refused to see it. And I think that is how I have viewed it. Uh, anyways, that that's a message that runs through the course of this film. But, um, Unless there's something else you want to discuss, I thought we could discuss the movie itself. You know, things we like and, and things we want to touch upon and, and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, I can't think of anything else.
0: Yeah. One of the things I want to discuss is Godzilla himself, not just his look per se, but his personality. Um, one of the things that I love about this Godzilla and why I like this particular change in Godzilla is that. Um, I like his speed. I like the fact that this is a fast Godzilla, that this is a Godzilla that unlike the Japanese one that is more or less an indestructible juggernaut, which does, I have to admit, especially as I've gotten older, does get old pretty quick. Um, The fact that this Godzilla, even though he can take a punch, it is proven throughout the course of this film, he can take on some military shots – this Godzilla isn't Superman. this Godzilla is not totally indestructible, and that this Godzilla instead of continuing to walk into you know the, the <clears throat> path of fire like the Japanese one is known to do, <clears throat> he's fast, he evades, he sets up traps
1: just he's just more agile in the way and he uses that mainly to his advantage.
0: This is a Godzilla where it's about um, – it's also about using intelligence too because, again, the Japanese one has always been about I will walk into this, and I will take it, and I will be fine. Mm -hmm. The only time in which he may not be fine is when he's fighting other kaiju. That's about the only exception. But the Japanese military, we all know how it's going to happen here. The military does end up killing it, and that's another thing that a lot of fans hate about it, but I'm going – but that's you, – you miss the whole aspect that this Godzilla – there's more, more of a stake. If you are a fan of Godzilla, which all of us are, and you're rooting for Godzilla a lot of the times, which I was and still do when I watch this movie, it makes his defeat that more heartbreaking – because you do realize – you worry about this Godzilla more because you do realize, yeah, with enough firepower, he can be killed. And he's, he proves throughout the course of this movie, he even proves it again later in the animated sh- show, that through speed, agility, intelligence, that he'll run away, <clears throat> set up traps, evade you. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really think is a good difference with this film. When I sit there anymore and watch a lot of the Japanese Godzilla movies and I see the military come and attack him, it's like this isn't as entertaining as it was when I was a kid because when you're a kid, you don't understand – um plot as well and nuance and all that you're there for the fireworks and yeah anytime the, and even as a kid i knew the military wasn't going to succeed but you got an entertainment value out of it
1: yeah and i would the one thing i would want to point out too is that if he, if godzilla does really did exist in a way i would say that this iteration of godzilla would probably be more of a realistic approach of how god's probably would have looked like after all the tests and everything if he did indeed exist in a way due to all to all the atomic and nuclear testing of um, you know decades prior compared to kind of the dinosaur looking version of the Japanese uh, Godzilla iteration where you know just kind of standing up straight like any ordinary human <laughs> out there and uh, and then with this and then having it be more dinosaur like with the Japanese version whereas this one you're taking more of a have kind of pre-existing uh, modern reptile that lives today, like an iguana or a crocodile, whichever, and if they went through all the nuclear testings throughout the years, decades prior, and then mutate into what could have been a more realistic Godzilla. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean I I agree with that and it makes sense and just I, I've heard some people say, Well, this is not what it would look like. Well, maybe not exactly, but they say, Well, its head is too big. Well, you do realize that T Rex's head technically is too big for its body, but a lot of these super predators had powerful yet lightweight skulls and long tails to help counterbalance so that they wouldn't go you know, on their face. This Godzilla is the same thing. So, yeah. (laughs) One of the things, too, I want to touch upon, and this is something that I think even haters of the movie can get on board with. And interestingly enough, I I find it strange that um, it's never really discussed much, if at all, even uh, with us on this podcast. And that is the score. David Arnold's score. I have to say... And it's not because I am a super fan of this film. Objective, objectively speaking, I think this is an incredible Godzilla score. This is, in my opinion, not only one of the best. It's one of my favorites as well. The, the themes he has for Godzilla, the ominous tones, the very sad and um, – crap, I just forgot the word. The Just the – the, the really sad music as he's getting shot down by those F-18s uh, at the end, it really adds to his demise there at the end. It's similar to the way Ifukube's score aided in Godzilla's death at the end of Destroya as well. That seeing Godzilla die was one thing, but as we've always said here on this podcast, music does matter, that music kind of adds that... M- Extra emotional oomph to certain scenes. It either adds uh, the sadness, it either adds excitement, anger—you name it.
1: And, and with with this kind of music, I mean, if you can compare it with any of the other Godzilla music, past and today, too, you can say it sort of blends into the whole kind of music that has been composed for the other Godzilla movies it, it sort of blends is, or you can say it's sort of similar in a way
0: I think if you did a blind listening test if you took people who just are not fans and you know and you just play and you put them in a room and you ask and you play different clips of music some from Godzilla films others from other films That are not Godzilla films and you play a snippet of it and you ask them afterwards, was this from a Godzilla movie or a different movie? And I think if you played some of the music from this film and you ask someone, did this come from a Godzilla movie? I think you would get a majority of people that would say, yeah, that it is music that is very much befitting of the character it demonstrates size with some of the music that is being played at various points. There's even some lighthearted music. I think of some of the military uh, tunes that play in this movie where you have more, but type of, <laughs> of melody. It's, it's more happy. I guess for lack of a better term, I think David Arnold deserves more credit here. Um, I, I think even with haters, there are a lot of people out there that admire the scores of these films, and I would think that even if you don't like this film, you would get on board with saying, "Yeah, I mean the music is very good. It's very listenable. It is in my like I said in my opinion, it's one of my favorites, and I truly objectively do think it is one of the better scores within the Godzilla franchise."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Don't don't bother with
0: Godzilla the album. That just has various <laughs> ones. <laughs> I,
1: think,
0: I still like to listen to that. though. I like a lot of the music there.
1: I for me, I just want to go for the score, not just the ones of the various artists. Because when I when I bought that, I was like, this is not what I was looking for.
0: <laughs> it's got a couple of David Arnold tracks. It's like towards the end,
1: but that's um, yeah. That there, that's the one that I was really looking for. But I was like, is there any more?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Any more of the like score that. to it? But I then it's mean, like, yeah, the, there's the whole score with all of his tracks.
0: Wallflowers, Green Day, yeah. Daddy, Daddy or Daddy or, <laughs> Daddy or whatever he's calling himself now. P. P. Diddy. P. Um, P. <laughs> I mean, I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: but I, I, I still think the music's good. But, um...
1: What do, you, what do you think of the uh, what do you think of the visual effects in the movie? Do do they still hold up twenty five years later?
0: Quite a few do. Some of them though do show their age. Uh, I will say this to people though: this movie has been sort of enhanced since the first Blu Ray of this film was released because I noticed it. How long ago was it now? I noticed it. 8 years ago when i bought my first blu-ray version of this film you could tell that sony went back they not only cleaned up the entire film but they enhanced the effects too and it's gorgeous one of these like,
1: I see. one of these times i need to get me the uh, it, the 4k ultra hd Version I of the movie. I do have that
0: one, even though I don't own a 4K TV.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need I need to get that one of these times because I still have that uh, the Blu-ray one that you're mentioning up. But yeah, I want to kind of see if there's any differences in between them.
0: Yeah, but even if you say watch the VHS or DVD versions of this film, the the effects are what I would say. Are still decent. There are some scenes where there are computer effects that you don't realize are computer effects, <clears throat> um, unless you do behind the scenes or you pay really close attention. In a way, obviously, those effects are spectacular. When you're talking about like Godzilla and the baby Godzillas, it, it, it gets to a point now where it's it's hit and miss.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, like I said earlier. Um, some of the the visual effects work even in the enhanced blu-ray version it it's you know it's not there
1: and 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 also some of the practical effects particularly uh the baby godzillas there um you can definitely tell you know with the animatronic kind of a whole robotic movement there were some of them kind of did act out more robotic ish in a way um still kind of the whole smooth movement in between which they could have done a little bit better there on the visuals in my point i think quite a few of its i would say still hold up to it but yeah um some of them um have shown their age um in a ways um but yeah
0: it's still better than a lot of other f- films. I mean, a lot of people always compare it to Jurassic <clears throat> Park, and I go, well, you have to understand that Universal is a significantly bigger studio than Sony, TriStar. Not only that, they had Spielberg with them, who made sure, and, and, and Spielberg himself even threw some of his own money at it. Mm-hmm. He made sure that. They invested in this new technology, and other studios in general were playing catch-up. And Columbia TriStar just didn't quite have the investment in infrastructure at this point in time. For what they did have, it worked. I still look at this movie and I go, yeah, not every effect sequence is spectacular, but so what? I mean, it still looks better than sci-fi movies at the time it still looked better than sci-fi movies that were made 10 years after um it's it does the job and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people again that become effects snobs um are just people i don't even want to talk to because it's like so what like even when it was a guy in a suit you knew it was a guy in a suit on a set of miniatures that doesn't deter you from watching, you know, the Showa-era films or the Heisei-era films, you know? It, right. So what? And <laughs> I, I just kind of shrug my shoulders, and I'm like, okay, like, it's hit and miss. That happens with time because we're seeing other films now where that stuff continues to improve year after year. And this mm-hmm. is a 25-year-old movie. <clears throat> what do you think of the cast? <sighs>
1: Uh, as far as the cast goes, I think it's, I think it's pretty decent in a way. Um, for me, I probably wouldn't have picked Matthew Broderick in a way. I don't, I don't know if he would, cause I don't know if he was like kind of the, the whole A-lister during that, uh, time in the, uh, the later nineties and all that. I know he was in. Ferris Bueller and some of those other Bueller uh, <laughs> movies in, in the eighties and stuff. Um, I'm not because uh, I mean you had quite a few of other A-listers in the day. You know George Clooney kind of come coming kind of an up and coming. You know with the whole Batman Robin sort of thing. You ha- you also had Val Kinler. uh Those sort of uh, things. Even Tom Cruise. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, uh, for, for what the story was telling and everything, I think the cast overall was pretty decent. I do like the French guy, by the way. I think he was, <laughs> Minot. yeah, I think he was, uh, uh, for me, I think he was the highlight of the movie in a way I, I do like his, uh, character in a way, but, uh, yeah, overall, it's it's a pretty decent uh, cast uh, for what the movie was going with, and for yeah. what the story was it was trying to tell.
0: Yeah, um, I for me personally, I would say maybe with the exception of like Monster Zero, this is maybe my favorite cast. I really do. When I do think of just Godzilla cast in general, this is usually one of the first groups of cast members that I think of. I do like them. Are they the greatest actors in this movie? No. But I think they're fun. I do think they're a lot of fun. They deliver comedy where appropriate. I think they do their jobs very well i think kevin dunn is spectacular hank azaria is to me the highlight from a cast member standpoint jean renault is great mary patillo uh is a pretty decent love interest matthew broderick um is okay but i still (laughs) i still like him in this film um Michael Lerner as Mayor Ebert, I think is great. By the way, rest in peace. He died here a handful of weeks ago. Um, And then you have the other guy playing uh, his assistant, Gene. Of course, it's a riff off of Siskel and Ebert. And I know people are like, oh, my gosh, because they gave a thumbs down. Emmerich's being petty. It's like, no, he's having fun here. Mm. Other filmmakers have done the same thing. Um, I forget the actor's name, but he plays – uh, uh, O'Neill, Major O'Neill. Oh yeah. I think he. I think he's uh, pretty good and fun. I think Jean Reno's uh, cast of French secret service agents are pretty fun too. There's some funny dialogue periodically where, um, oh, you call this coffee? I call this America. <laughs> and then later, you told me this was French roast, and he hands up, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> and then there he's looking at the pastries and you know, kind of like, no, no, and then monsieur.
1: and then handing out uh chewing gum and so stuff. It's like, oh, it's supposed to make us more American. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then he does an Elvis impersonation at the checkpoint, yeah. Elvis Presley movies, he was the king. <laughs> I just I do like it I mean this is I think a fun cast fun characters in my opinion out of all the Emmerich movies I've seen I've seen quite a few of them this I think is not only his best but it's my favorite I mean Mm. it it is a very memorable cast and I think it's I think it's great
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> do, do you have it? I want to
0: close out with like final thoughts on the film and then kind of its legacy?
1: Yeah. Well, before we do that, um, we didn't really touch upon as far as the story. Like, what did you think of the story? Like, how kind of the overall um, plot? Um, like. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I like it. I mean, like, uh, again, I, I mean, being a fan and defender of the film, I enjoy it. I know a lot of people say it's a general monster on the loose film and to some degree, that's true. But again, too, like I stated a little bit ago, I think there is a major theme at play here, too, that so many people are overlooking when they think about this film and when they watch the film. I'm always amazed at how fast this film is, that if you're not counting credits, the film's actual length is two hours, nine minutes. And for some people, that's too long. I think it feels significantly less than that. I'm always amazed at how fast it is, and and a lot of it's because when you enjoy something a lot of times – you're so immersed in it. You kind of lose track of time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably what happens with me when I watch this film. I, as I said here before, um, on our year end episode four months ago, when we were ranking like our favorite movies of the year. And this for me was number one. And I said, other than Godzilla versus Kong, this was the movie I've seen the most the last couple years. Um, and the viewing here, um, yesterday would have been viewing number of 11 for me i think (laughs) since 21 so um i i mean i i enjoy it i have a blast every time i watch the movie i think it's a lot of fun unfortunately part of me gets a little sad because i still unfortunately think about how terribly um you know uh underappreciated and unfairly panned this movie has been over the years uh i kind of get into that it's really hard for me to get out of that headspace because i am such a fan of this film and and it always reminds me too of how poorly uh, a number of fans especially in the early 2000s had treated me on some message boards uh when i would talk about how much i enjoyed this film so unfortunately it's a little ptsd (laughs) on some level i get a little angry and sad uh but then you know i enjoy it though too i like i said i like this film it is truly uh one of my personal favorite godzilla movies it's also one of my personal (laughs) favorite movies of all time and i guess i could say that as one of my general overall opinions on this movie as well as that i i think this is a terrific movie that deserves a lot more love than it gets i love it it's a really fun film i have fun with it every time i watch it its legacy will always be i think um shrouded in conspiracies that are totally unfounded
1: and controversy
0: yeah and This is a a film. Who really a lot of fans. Even if you don't like it, you should appreciate it for the fact that you had that huge marketing blitz, tons of product at the time. Especially if you were of appropriate age to where you were aware
1: name recognition products
0: were. And then, not only that, it helped make Godzilla significantly more mainstream than ever before in this country. Ultimately, led to where we are now, where you can find some decent amount of Godzilla merchandise at your local brick and mortar stores because it helped to bring him more to the forefront than he ever had been before. It also helped spawn the Millennium series, spawn the Monsterverse. Yes, those in many ways were a response to the backlash of this movie. Oh but still I would also this movie <laughs>
1: I would also say spawned other uh various kaiju movies. Besides Godzilla, including Pacific Rim.
0: And even then, it helped to make people aware again, and even more so, of the Japanese Godzilla films and that. And the whole kaiju genre. Yeah, and people, uh, some of these media companies um, over the last 25 years have released Godzilla movies. Camera movies, other kaiju films, and other tokusatsu films. There, this again. Even if you didn't like this movie, it made people more aware. It brought in merchandise. It brought in releasing. It...
1: And and to me, I...
0: living in a golden age of kaiju because of the ninety-eight Godzilla movie.
1: And two, we wouldn't have such an. Like such an easy access to any of these kaiju genre movies and shows, if it wasn't for the '98 Godzilla, because beforehand it was pretty hard to get access to a lot of the Godzilla movies, even some of the other kaiju, like Gamera, for instance. Because, like, I would say after the '98 Godzilla movie, that's I would say. Maybe about a year or so after that is when I discovered the whole Gamera franchise. If it wasn't for the '98 Godzilla movie, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have the access to other kaiju movies and tokusatsu.
0: Yeah, every fan, regardless of what you think about this movie specifically every single one of us that is a kaiju fan owes a debt of gratitude to this movie mm-hmm. just because of that. Because yeah, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't without the 98 movie. Yeah. The 98 movie, the, the shadow of casts is large for good or ill, if not a combination thereof.
1: Yeah. We, w- we wouldn't have started the podcast 13 years ago. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean the 98 film I mean, it it is – I forget the term, but it's sort of – it's kind of like a Tom Brady, so to speak, where you have a – kind of like what they call a generational player in sports. Um, This Godzilla movie is a generational Godzilla movie Mm -hmm. that people – like I said before, fans, I think, really forget – that this movie is responsible for for so much good within the kaiju fandom in general, because we certainly would not be living in the era we are in now in a good sense without this film. And I think everybody, like I said, for the umpteenth time, even if you hate the film, you still owe a debt of gratitude to this film because without it, We would still probably be living in what would be sort of the dark ages where Godzilla movies probably would be sparse. God knows where we would – we don't know if we would have the Millennium Era or the MonsterVerse. Uh, The merchandising, Mm -hmm. people in the West would still probably look at Godzilla as nothing more than this goofy kid's stupid product. Um, We
1: probably wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of (laughs) the merchandise behind us.
0: I, and I truly believe we would be more in that deep, dark era more than likely than we would be now where there is more genuine respect for this property, and it's because of Godzilla 1998. Mm-hmm. So I love the movie. I will forever love the movie, uh, one of my favorites, and I think its legacy, again, I think more than not is very positive because of everything we've just said here, just in the last few minutes Mm -hmm. that it's responsible for. And a lot of it, a lot of it is good.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And so your final thoughts on the film.
1: Yeah. um, My final thoughts on the film, you know, it's kind of with, when we started uh, following Godzilla, and the other kaiju and stuff with Godzilla versus the Sea Monster back in 92. I would say this one is kind of uh, one of the major fabrics in our fandom to not only Godzilla, but for the whole kaiju and tokusatsu, simply because of what we just talked about, giving us easier access to not only Godzilla, but to other kaiju... Tokusatsu movies and TV shows and all the merchandise, um, everything. If it wasn't for the '98 Godzilla movie, giving us that easy access to all this, and it's one of the one of the major foundations for me, and. So that's probably one of the biggest takes for me is kind of given us the easy access and given us so much more Godzilla right after that. But um, getting back to the movie itself, it's kind of your usual Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin movie with uh, kind of the whole... Um, Oh, how you say kind of the big budget uh disaster sort of movie, which with Godzilla, it's it's to me it's kind of a perfect match between the two because with Godzilla being a big monster destroying things, and then with Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin with their movies over the years, they kind of know how to do these big disaster movies. So it's it's a pretty good match in that way. Um, there are a couple of gripes with there, you know, uh, as far as visual effects. Yeah, kind of done a little bit of that here. Uh, the cast, like I said, it's decent. Um, quite, didn't quite expect some of <laughs> some of the, the cast members here and there, but With the story that the movie Wanted to tell I think it's a pretty good uh, Decent cast here Uh, The score, yeah It's really good uh, For the movie, one of the better ones I would say Um, But yeah, overall it's A really good uh, Kaiju movie here Uh, And then of course If it wasn't for it we wouldn't have gotten what we've gotten today <laughs> so um so yeah it's a pretty still it still holds up today um with a few things a bit dated <laughs> with some of kind of your usual uh 90s shtick here and there but uh i mean it was you know made during that time period so yeah
0: And one thing I forgot to mention is that for me, every time I watch this movie, I'm transported to that period of my life in which. um, Same here. (laughs) It was a simpler time. Now, granted, I was a very young teenager, wasn't quite, you know, as aware of what the world was like and all that. You know, you know, you're kind of involved in your own little world. And I'm transported to that back in time of just, more innocence and enjoyment that life seemed more fun and more simpler than it does now. And that's something that I enjoy. And one of the things too, and I cannot believe we both forgot about this. This movie is also very special to me because it is the first Godzilla movie either one of us had seen in theaters at Mm. that point. Um, I was far too young to see uh, 1985 in theaters. Same thing with Jason.
1: Oh, I wasn't like, even around then.
0: <laughs> I remember seeing posters of that um, in movie theaters. Um, that's my faintest memory of that film, but never saw that one in theaters. And so this movie also holds that special place in my heart, too. It doesn't just transport me back to a more fun, innocent time in my personal life. That makes me forget about just the crap that is the world today, but it's the first Godzilla movie I saw in theaters, and that's something that is also incredibly special to me as well. And that's something I will never, ever allow anybody to take away from me, that this movie – I still remember this moment and it's when they set up the second fish trap there in central park and godzilla comes out and they're trying to get him in the open he comes out and he's kind of looking around and he's kind of inspecting the whole area and then he kind of crouches down more and he gets closer to this group of military personnel and he kind of lets out this little little low growl like and i remember and i can i can see it 100 percent clear in my mind's eye back when that moment happened in the theaters i remember the bass on the speakers in the theater rumbling so much that the theater shook for a moment because of his growl being so low i remember that And I think of that moment every time that moment pops up when I watch this movie. And so that's something I want to say, too, before we close out here, is that this is very personal to me. It's very, very special. And um, I think I will forever believe it is an incredible shame that this movie is hated the way that it is. I can understand you know, I don't expect everybody to like everything. I get that. But again, like I said earlier in this episode, the hatred, the absolute white hot hatred that so many had and still do for this, I think is dumbfounding. I, mm-hmm. I don't get it. And it really makes me sad because I think there is very much a fun, good movie here and people just again for whatever whatever reason refuse to see it and again I, I, for the umpteenth time again I don't expect everybody to enjoy this I understand we all have different tastes and stuff but I think a lot of people don't think for themselves they want to follow what other people are saying and more specifically people that they think have more sway in the fandom than they do and because they're afraid to be a lone voice to to say no I object because they don't want to get criticized and all that stuff that they hide behind other people that they don't really come up and sit by themselves and think about it and kind of think do I like it or not and if so why or why not. This whole episode has been both Jason and I basically saying, this is why we enjoy this film. And I think we've made our case very well. I have made my case, I know, plenty of times over the years since we've been doing this podcast. Mm. <clears throat> and I really hope more than anything else, even if you're a hater of this film and you got this far in our episode of our love fest over this film, that hopefully you walk away from this thinking for yourself, that you sit down and you ask yourself, why is it that I've hated this film for 25 years? And you bring up legitimate criticisms. You play in your mind a fake debate that you're having with someone like myself who is a fan of this film, and you pretend we're having a discussion or a debate, and it's, and it's like, okay, well, I don't like it because of the design. And – but then you pretend me in your mind's eye saying, well, what about Shin Godzilla? Shin Godzilla had the mouth on the tail, had lasers shooting out of its spines, had the lower jaw splitting open and all that stuff. What about that? Assuming you're a fan of that anyways, but …
1: Or the Netflix anime Godzilla.
0: Yeah, and basically what I'm saying is (laughs) think for yourself. Really ask yourself the hard questions. And if you still end up disliking the movie, so be it. But at least you thought for yourself and didn't hide behind someone who maybe has more influence in the fandom that you think for yourself. Mm -hmm. And for 25 years, this is a movie that I think will forever, even long since we're buried in the ground, will continue – to be one of those major points in the Godzilla fandom that will always be not just really controversial but will I think be a starting point for at least those of us in the West (laughs) that got to enjoy more of Godzilla and this movie will I will Go to my grave loving it. As Jason said, it's a foundation for him. It certainly is a foundation for me because, again, this was going into our sixth year of being fans. I mean, for us, when we first became Godzilla fans, almost everything in our personal lives after that was Godzilla.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. And it's for me personally, other than personal hardships uh, online through different – Uh, Groups and stuff. It's been a fantastic 25 years. It's, it still saddens me. We never got the trilogy uh, of films from this. Um, but it's a movie that I can now share with my son. He enjoys it. Um, so again, I still get enjoyment out of it, even though, like I said earlier, there are a lot of times when I watch and I'm still reminded of, um, just the unfortunate amount of hatred it gets but also the way i was treated for quite some time but that has never stopped me from enjoying it and so with that jason if you want to do any final housekeeping we can wrap up
1: yeah so episode. yeah so final housekeeping if you're still watching us on youtube and if you haven't clicked the subscribe button down below make sure to uh click that and as well as smash the like button as well and uh you can follow us everywhere in one place at our Linktree page there right on the screen forward slash die network and besides youtube we're also on twitch rumble facebook and as well as odyssey for video platforms and uh we're also on uh, the following audio platforms such as spotify apple and google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, radio as well as tune in and you can find both audio and video versions of our uh Episodes right on our own website at DaggHygieneNetwork.com.
0: That. Thank you so much for listening to us. This will be our only podcast this month, Jason. And I need to iron out some when we're going to return. Jason decided to be a lazy American and go take <coughs> some time off. So, I mean.
1: well, well, it's like uh, besides going to uh, Chicago and Michigan <laughs> every year, I it's like I haven't been on an actual vacation on my own for six years so it's like i think it's probably time to do so so i'm gonna do that
0: <laughs> yeah all monsters attack convention is in chicago at the uh, crown plaza and seeing some pictures from some of my friends that are there this week and it's like oh man i miss when g-fest was there <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it was i i did i did see some of those pictures too and then seeing kind of that whole uh ball morale uh, space there that they're using for the convention there. Yeah. It's like, you know, you have kind of the, the vendors and then as well as some of the guests there, but then kind of seeing that whole open space it, uh, with it being a bit empty, it's like, I wish there could have been a little bit more <laughs> to, to that uh, the, to the main area that they're holding that convention there.
0: Well my understanding is that is continuing to grow each and every year so
1: mm-hmm. well even with this one it's it's its second year so but uh, yeah.
0: was it um, if if my if if my kids weren't in school I would have gone because I yeah. really I, I remember at <laughs> one point earlier in the year even though I'm not going to GFS this year I legitimately us, yeah. thought for a moment of like taking my son out of school friday and then having us like go to this but i thought uh i don't know well
1: i know well i know you and i have talked about like uh whenever we get back to kind of wanting to go back to a convention that um kind of thought of this being probably we go to this one next and then maybe sort of try to go to GFS every other year or whichever so
0: yeah
1: and just kind of see if that's still um kind of being the same or if they were trying to actually try to make some change (laughs) kind of some of our gripes that we've been saying every year (laughs) with uh g-fest but yeah
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on All Monsters Attack, hear their news. Um, I would assume within the next few weeks to a month, they'll have more on next year. I'm thinking if they're back in that same general area um, next year, I may actually try (laughs) to go (laughs) next year. So yeah tuned for
1: that yeah and uh, uh since i pushed back my japan trip for another year cuz i was originally going to go next year but I decided to push it back to 25 i been kind of in, been kind of thinking about it along with some other places but it's it's a bit early right now but uh i know maybe after i get back from my trip here maybe start thinking a little bit ahead of time
0: yeah and so with that thank you so much for watching or listening to us and we will be back in god knows when
1: probably in june so
0: (laughs) it'll be june for sure but so yeah exactly we have yet to find out
1: so yeah with that
0: we'll see you guys
1: next time